For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Believe in the Arizona Cardinals. Thank you for joining us once again. My name is Javon J. Love Adams, and I'm joined by my partner, a former NFL veteran and player, and he stood out all the time when he was on the field, the one and only Ed Easy Smith. What is good, sir? Man, getting one more week closer to the regular season. Yes, we are definitely getting closer. And a few things that I want to talk about this week. Uh, as we as we cover the Arizona Cardinals here in the Phoenix market, a few things. One, I want to get your thoughts on the intensity level for for Week Three. The as they say, and I'm saying this with air quotes for people who are listening, the, the intensity level, uh, the all important Week Three. Uh, will the offense be able to put up points? And there was something that you mentioned, kind of in our uh, our show prep. There's a player that stood out to you in a negative way. So we'll talk to that. Talk about that when we get to the offense. I want to get your thoughts on Crabtree as well. The this week, the Arizona Cardinals added the oft rumored uh, Crabtree. Crabtree. To the Arizona Cardinals, so we'll get your That's thoughts on chain, that. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> and then, how important is Week Four for not not the veterans because we know the veterans won't be playing, but for those people that are on that that are on the 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 fringes that are on that that teetering either way could could uh, determine whether or not they make a, the fifty three man roster. And then. I want to get your thoughts on Andrew Luck and his sudden retirement, and maybe it's not as sudden as we thought, uh, as it was as the news came down on Saturday night. So, without further ado, and let's get into the so week three, the Arizona Cardinals played your Minnesota Vikings, and I say that because your nephew is on the team. He is he was drafted in the second round, correct, yep. from Alabama for uh, he he's a tight end. Now go ahead and give his name and all that stuff because we got to we got to shine. Oh yeah, when he needs to be Irv shown. Smith Jr. That's my nephew, and you know he went the fiftieth pick to the Vikings, and very happy. Uh, you know, great location for him. He's learning. And I've uh, been getting a lot of articles. I've actually been contacted uh, by a few members of the Minnesota Press to get thoughts on him after he was drafted and leading into the season. So I'm looking for him actually going up for the Minnesota Vikings opener September 8th. So after we do, do the show on the easy sports talk on the 7th, I'm going to jump on the plane, go up and check out those Vikings versus Falcons of all teams, one of my old teams, uh, on September 8th. So looking forward to that. Cool. So yeah, I'm getting looking forward to getting him on the show at some point in time. We oh, gotta yeah. let him focus on mastering the offense and doing all that other stuff, so we make sure to to get as many snaps as possible. But the the end result was the Cardinals lost twenty to nine to the to the Minnesota Vikings playing in Minnesota. But your thoughts last week? We talked about the intensity level or toughness or lack thereof. What did you see from the team in Week Three that either made you more concerned or at least maybe uh, laid some of those some of those concerns that you had about the intensity level. You know, Jay, I'm still looking for that, you know, that fi- hair on the fire or fire on the hair look or whatever we would call it. I'm still looking for that, like you know, like this is 
we coming out this locker room with our, the intent yeah. to w- put it on somebody this weekend. I still haven't seen that, and I mean from both sides of the ball, from the offensive side, and we'll talk about the offensive line a little bit, and from the defensive side, these guys, I mean, they got gassed again. I know we'll get into it. They got gassed again for an 85-yard run uh, by the Minnesota Vikings, and it was, I mean, it was hat on a hat, and lanes were opened up, and there was missed assignment on the backside, a missed tackle as well, and next you know he's 85 yards up the field in the in the end zone paint. So you know I'm still looking for the you use the word intensity. I'm looking for that you know like like I said we're gonna put punch somebody in the mouth. It's like two dudes getting ready for a fight, man, and one of them sitting there you know drinking a latte or something, and the other ones you know he's got the brass knuckles on and, <laughs> and get ready. To, you know, hey, and you know how it is, bro. You know you start taking off your shirt, your chain. <laughs> You know, take your chain off, yeah. and like that. You getting ready for it? And I'm still looking at the Cardinals like this, still thinking like it's uh, practice. We talked about it last week, like still practice, thud. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm waiting to see some hitting. I'm waiting to see some guys flying around. Still, just not have seen, not have seen that yet. Now you are talking. You're referring to it was in the first quarter. Uh, I want to say, let me double check here. I got the yeah. It was in the first quarter. It was uh, D Cook with uh, with a 85 yard touchdown run that made it 7-3 at that time. And one of the things, and this goes to intensity, is it seems like the, what the, on the def- defensive end was out of place, maybe over-pursuing the play. Is that trying to do too much? Does that go to intensity or does that go to lack of focus? Where, do, where could that 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 play or that lack of execution come from? Well, you know, it was it was a blown assignment slash bad technique. And I would probably say more bad technique because what happened on the backside, uh, the defensive end, instead of crashing down, you know, and securing that backside, he was just kind of hanging out a little too far upfield. Right. So when the cutback came back his way, he was out of position, and Cook was able to get through that crack, a crease on the backside. Now, if he's crashing down, meaning sliding down, mm-hmm. He well, he would have made that play. You know you don't want to go too, you don't want to go too far because obviously there's fakes with the quarterback and stuff. You want to make sure you contain. But he did not seal the backside. He just kind of went drifted a little too far field. Next, you know, Cook made that cut back and he was unable to to close him off. And then and the other thing was up the field. Um, I watched the. Uh, the Vikings defense or offensive players. Yes. Um, they were up there. They were making blocks upfield and see it. I mean, because the secondary is supposed to come up, fill that. If it if there's a crease on the, or crack on the, on the front line, yeah. there was no crack. I mean, uh, who's a, um, uh, the tight end? Uh, uh, that, 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 uh, tight end for, and I know he's in front of my nephew, but. Oh, he I know was, what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. he was upfield and he had a couple uh, defenders up there with him. He blocked and next, you know, like I said, it, it was, they were breached. So. You know, there's a lot, a lot of bad things happen on one play there. <laughs> a lot. Uh, the one of the things that going into this game for the first time, for there were all members, uh, all five members of the offensive line were going to be playing together. Mm-hmm. We we talked about in, in hilarious fashion last week about the 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 unity that must take place on the offensive line. That has to be a good sign. But in terms of before we get into whether or not they're going to be able to put up points, did you see anything execution wise or toughness wise or intensity wise that gives you that that makes you think positively about how the offensive line executed? They look better. Okay, I'll say that much. They did look better. Uh, they protected. They picked up a couple blitzes. I noticed that. I'm still looking for that nasty though. You know, I'm still looking for five dudes out there. Like I said, ready to punch somebody in the mouth. And I see a lot of catching rather than delivering blows out there. So, you know, like I said, I'll, I'll give them credit. They played a little better this week. Still, 
the offense is not as dynamic as we've been told it would be. And, you know, we talked about this over the weekend. I'm like, well, if not now, when are you going to show it? Because at this point, and here's another thing I, I kind of noticed. You know, it's supposed to be air raid, play after play after play, right? They were still going down to the clock, was still getting down to seven, six, five, four, three. Yeah. So I'm trying to figure, okay, if this is supposed to be dynamic, fast pacing or thing, you should be taking snaps in the twenties on the play clock. You know, if everything is supposedly going the way it's supposed to be going. But I still saw an off and once again I'll go back to Kingsbury is like he's still saying, Well, we really didn't show much. We try to keep this vanilla, et cetera, et cetera. And so so maybe they're just waiting to, to throw the air raid out there on the Lions on September eighth. But you and I talked about this yesterday, I think it was as well. Once you show it, everybody sees it, so why are you holding on to it? Exactly. It's not like you show it and then you pull it back and know it. Once you display the offense and you're fast-paced, and that, it's out, the cat's out of the bag. Yes. Because now everybody's going to be able to get the film, look at it, scout you, you know, advance scouts you, see what they need to do to counteract what you're doing. So it's like, it's like you're holding on to it. Because you like, we want to beat the Lions. Okay, well. Okay, <laughs> game one and 15? Yeah, that's game one. Or yeah. you surprise the Lions. But then you get to game two through 16. It's like, everybody's going to see what you're doing. So I don't understand this thing where they're kind of, and I'll tell you, and I'll, I don't want to run them out too much, but Kingsbury said something after the game. He said the Cardinals didn't do any game planning for plays inside the 20-yard line. And my thought, you know, he said he, they, they kept it strictly vanilla. And I'm, I'm saying to myself, once again, what are you waiting on? Right. Because this is the time to be working on some of your stuff against live bullets so we can see how guys are going to react. We can see what changes we might have to. What exactly. do you want week one? Now, all of a sudden, you know, now we're running it for the first time, and now it's at this Detroit line speed, not practice against our own. We're going to get it right for week two. Yeah. And and I talk, I talk, when you're in practice, man, everything's all scripted on cards. The defense, they're showing you the defense. So they're running a script play. So that's built for success. <laughs> you know, you see what I'm yeah, saying? Because oftentimes, if, correct me if I'm wrong, even though the defense knows what's coming, the offense might say, okay, act like you, or the defense, might, the defensive coordinator might say, act like you don't know what's coming and just act like you're reading the play for the first time. And it doesn't work because human nature is to say, I know they're running to the right side because I've seen this play and I know what the play is. So therefore, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, act accordingly. I've seen dudes get screamed at, almost thrown <laughs> off the field because they're out there running rogue and not doing what's on the card. When I was a when I was played, you know, I was I ran a lot of scout team stuff to give our defense looks, and I knew if this route said to get the twelve and then make your cut, but I saw it was a zone or something, and if I decided, ooh, this, this will look good at eight because I'm gonna get open, uh uh-uh. uh, supposed to run at two twelve, and that's exactly what they're doing right now. They're scripting everything in practice. There's no scripts once the regular season comes and they start throwing all these exotic blitzes and things yes. at you. That's when you want to show your stuff in, to your players so you can now have it on film and say, well, this is what you might see and this is how we might counteract that. These are some of our adjustments. But right now, they're going to go into week one, you know, just hoping a prayer, I guess. The thing is, I want to move on to the offense right now, but this is what it reminds me of. Different sport in a much lower age level, but I remember when I was coaching a semi-pro- semi uh, 
competitive, high competitive uh, basketball team just below AAU. And so we didn't have any any scrimmages. We only had ourselves. So I had to use the first game to figure out how I was going to, what my substitution patterns were going to be and all that. And we lost that first game. And a lot of the parents were upset and some of the players just weren't, didn't, weren't sure of their roles. But I had to use that one game in our season because I didn't have a preseason. This is where you're supposed to use the preseason to help you to understand. Even, just let's install these things. Let's make sure so that way I know how to tweak it for game two of the preseason or game three because I didn't. it didn't quite feel right to me even though my staff is trying to tell me, giving me all this insight, but I need to know for myself, even though I've done it in college, this is different because it's the pros. Absolutely. You want to see what works and what doesn't. Yeah. Because right now, you know, you want to, you want to find out what your sweet spots are. These are the plays, and I know once you get to the regular season, you start game planning specifically for that team. So a lot of the plays and things that you run during the during the camp and during the OTAs all through the year, you might not even touch some of that stuff again because it doesn't fit what you're going up against every week. And on the flip side, you might run stuff all through the, the offseason OTAs and maybe a little bit in, in uh, spring, uh, the preseason games. Right. You might not see that again until week 10 or 12 against a particular opponent. So there's all kind of facets or, I guess, things that go into game planning. But I'm talking about just getting prepared right. and being able to see, you know, this is a play that suits us well and this one's garbage. We know we probably won't run that all year long even if it does match up well against somebody else because it's just not a good play. But you're not going to get that sense and feel unless you're out there really doing it against first team, you know, live um, and I don't if I'm not if I'm correct I don't think the Cardinals had any um, practices with other like you know the in, in those scrimmages I don't think they had any right. those scrimmages they so you've been playing against your own color all off season all preseason and you're still hiding your, you know your goodies like somebody is you know <laughs> I'm like at some point you got to pull them out the bag man that's true you mentioned getting that feel and so when you mentioned the first team a little bit let's talk about the first team and your confidence in the offense. If I am not mistaken, the first team offense has not scored a touchdown. Now, they had a couple of field goals. They were they of course they ended with nine points. They had a couple of field goals. I think Hundley's been when he's come in. Hundley uh, he's been the one putting up the most points. And of mm-hmm. course it's against second and third string, etc. I get that, but. I'm concerned, even if they're not showing anything, it's about execution. I don't care if it's a simple isolation play or somebody just running a quick out route or a comeback route or a dig route, whatever it is. You have to be able to execute those plays and be able to put some points, some crook, some seven, some six, I mean, some seven points on the board at a time, that type of thing. I'm a little concerned about the offense. You Are you concerned? And then I know that there at least is one player that you're concerned about. So are you concerned about the offense? And then talk about the player that you've noticed a little bit of hesitation for. Well, I'm absolutely concerned about uh, the, you know, if you look at the score yesterday, 20-9, unless they scored a touchdown and a safety, that means it was all field goals. Yes, sir. Exactly it was. And thus far, like you said, they, the first team offense has not scored a touchdown during the preseason. Uh, it does, like I said, and here's the thing. We are Cardinals supporters. We are not here yes, to pass them. And I just want everybody to know that we're not out here, you know, claiming doom and gloom. I'm just looking at some of the obvious things that we haven't seen to this point. And one of them is the dynamics in, of the offense. And then once again, I, I just noted that Kingsbury said that basically he just told us yesterday we're unprepared to run stuff in the, the red zone because they didn't practice on it. So that would right there is a hindrance. So they don't go over anything. They want to keep it vanilla. I'm like, okay, what are you saving it for? But okay, yeah. so am I concerned about the offense? Yes, I am. Because thus far we have not seen 
like I said, this high explosive down the field, and maybe they will pull it out week one against Detroit. The other thing I'm really concerned about, like I said, the O-line, they made some improvements, but I'm still seeing a very tentative David Johnson, and that scares me a little speak bit. Speak on it. Speak on it. One play in particular, and we're sitting here in my office in uh, Peoria, Arizona, doing our podcast, and I just pulled it up to reiterate it. We, we both wanted to look at it because I wanted to point a couple things out to you. Yeah. On the play in the first quarter, screen pass to David Johnson, uh, nice play. He ends up fumbling the ball at the end, but anybody who has this game still recorded or you see a replay of it, Go watch how tentative he is on the run after he catches the ball. Yeah. He gets to a point where he's about 10, 11, 12 yards up the field. He's already bracing for in contact, even though there was players around him. But if in a normal situation, like old David Johnson, the year he broke out, he would have ran through that contact. And this one, he was already bracing, then realized nobody's even was close enough to him for him to brace yet, then comes out of the brace. And then somebody comes and, and knocks the ball out, which should have been a fumble. They didn't. Why they didn't? They didn't overturn that. Yeah. They gave the ball back to the Cardinals. But what I'm seeing from from David so far is even on the runs around the line, and and a lot of it might have to do. I said I will say this much. Okay. I was actually I was encouraged to see them take some snaps underneath center. Okay. Yesterday, so that's a good thing. Right. The one thing I didn't see though is when Larry was getting the ball, it was still a lot of. It was almost like he was doing his. Um, uh, Bell impersonation, you know, where he was like tiptoeing, stopping, starting because he was trying to find the hole. Next, you know, next you know, defense is in the backfield or he's one yard up the field. Where if he just gets it and full steam ahead, finds the hole, makes a decisive move and goes, you're looking at a four, five, six yard pickup. He had a 12 yard run yesterday, and they were like, "Wow, that's his longest run of the season." And you know, and that, that's great to see. And I'm thinking, you know, that 12 yard run, man, if that's your your best. You know, that ain't a whole lot to look forward to. And you look on the other side when Delvin Cook pops off an 85-yarder. I mean, there's a big discrepancy in that. So what I'm not seeing from David at this point, and I hope it is just preseason. He's maybe saving himself, doesn't really want to get hurt or anything like that. But I'm looking for more decisiveness when he sticks his foot in the ground north-south instead of tippy-toeing and almost anticipating hits. Because that's going to make for a very long season for the running game. Now, transitioning from the running game to the to the passing game to the to the receivers, this week the Cardinals added uh, Michael Crabtree to the to the roster. There's some there's some pros and cons to this. The, on the I'll go with the the con side, and you can mm-hmm. tell me about the pros. The cons is that it, it's going to take some snaps away from from some of the from some of the younger uh, receivers that need to be able to get that experience, get that game experience, get those snaps. And, and because in all reality, while it's possible that the Cardinals could be one of those worst to ver- worst to first stories that we often hear about in the NFL, you forgot to use your air quotes. Yeah, the air quotes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> is that that this this team is not a move like this? And this uh, our, our the guy that we know, Mitchell Hughes, that is a producer for our radio show. He mentioned this and saying it's, this is the move of a team that feels that they're close and they're one player away, one really. Veteran and and uh, savvy receiver away from being able to to take the next step, mm-hmm. and this is not the case with the Cardinals, at least from what we can see. With of course not being able to to tell the future. Your thoughts on the pro side of the for signing of Michael Crabtree? The pro side is it will give Murray a, a, an additional weapon that knows what he's doing out there on the field. Uh, Crabtree to me has always been one of those guys that I never thought he reached his full potential. Um, drops more balls than he should drop, I think. Yeah. Uh, he's not a burner. He's not going to get you anybody over the top. But he's consistent and a guy that can go over the middle. 
Um, so that would be the, the pros for me is he's going to be an extra weapon that knows what he's doing as long as he gets his head in the playbook to assist Murray. You brought up the point, obviously, that this isn't the team, and Mitchell brought that up yesterday in terms of this isn't the team we should be expecting to go out and win. Where I'm confused a little bit is this is a move that you make if you don't already have a Larry Fitzgerald, ah. who's your veteran talent, who's your veteran who can lead these guys, show them how to get in their playbook, show them how to work, run certain routes, show them how to make adjustments on the field, show them you know, some of the things they might be seeing for the first time. If you didn't have Larry Fitzgerald, I would say this is a brilliant move because you needed this to go along with this young group to help them you know, find their way. You already have Larry Fitzgerald for that. So the fact that you go out and you get a crab tree, it's like, okay, well, I want to, you know, it's like you're just getting more of the same thing. It's like, you know, you're like, I want something different this time. Give me two scoops of vanilla <laughs> instead of, you know, instead of mixing it up and putting some sherbet or something there. You right, know, it's like, right. give me two scoops of vanilla. Ooh, yeah. that, that, yeah, that, that sounds good, you know. <laughs> it's the same. You're getting the same thing. Right. So, you know, like I said, and, and Mitchell said it great yesterday. You followed up. It is, it is a move that sounds, it's almost like, you know, they were close to winning or, you know, they needed that extra piece to get them over the hump. We all know, I mean, the, the over-under for the Cardinals this year is five wins. So, if Crabtree can come in and help you get an extra one, okay, six and ten instead of five and eleven. So, and, and I did write this down, though. What I think this is, I guess it's a second voice to help these youngsters find their way. But I could see right around midseason, you know, and hopefully they're not in this position where they're, one and six or one and whatever it is and it's now time okay crab we appreciate the help you know because only right. one year deal right you know, now we're going to let the, the young dudes do this and we'll maybe do you a favor by sending you somewhere that could need your veteran assistance to get into the playoffs or something like that so maybe he's a chip they'll use later on we'll see but you know the move to me um, it's kind of mixed bag for me I, I, I know what they're trying to do but like i said you already had larry fitzgerald for that role it's and again, to, just to reiterate, you're listening to believe in the Arizona Cardinals. We want to. I, I would love nothing more than to have to eat crow, so to speak. Absolutely. When it comes to the first, second, third, the first quarter of the season, because the, the people often break the the season down into quarters, so four games at a time. I would love for the Cardinals to be three and one after four games or four and zero. Oh, but it's just being. I guess when you look at recent history, so that recency, that sample size, it doesn't necessarily give you give you the most confidence. But again, I would love to be wrong, and I hope that I am wrong. But we're just trying to evaluate it from what we see or at least address the concerns that we have. Uh, that's So, week four is their starters don't play week four. If you see a quarterback, a running back, a wide receiver walking into that game, sometimes the offensive line, you can't help it. You, they have to get a couple of snaps in the start because just depending on what your depth looks like. But if you see, if you the dude that they come and say, okay, you know you're starting in game four. Oh, God. <laughs> you, you're not liking that because that for one, you know you're not a guaranteed, guaranteed to make that, that roster, the roster, the final roster. But you're also probably somewhere on that cut line you talk about because you you were one of those players that you talked about having to every snap was valuable to you you were going to be out there you're going to be trying your best week four how the nerves that maybe go into a week four from from those ones that are on that second or third tier where this game is really important for them yeah it was a little different for me because i was a veteran okay. already by the time i went into the nfl i was 26 in my rookie year and I, but i was that dude who was playing in the fourth quarter sometime you know there were some instances where i was even I was higher up on the depth chart, so I wasn't necessarily four core, but I know those guys that play in this last game. The 
most guys in this position, they're going out there because they're not just playing for the team they're on right now. They're auditioning for the other 31 teams out there. So these guys, even though there's nerves involved and everything like that, these dudes are hoping to take full advantage of this game. And this is your time to shine. This is your time to get out there and do your thing. It might be the last time you put the uniform on, but get out there and get everything you got. Now, I'm, you know, the, the, the good thing is, you know, some of these guys will either be you know, last guys to make the roster or be cut and be picked up and put on practice squads and stuff like that. Um, the, the other part of this is they're going into the last week of the, of the preseason. Most rosters, 53-man roster, most of them are set the Pretty 50 right set. about right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. There, there aren't a whole lot of people fighting for positions. What now, if you're a, a man that misses that tackle and you was 54, 53? I got released. 54. Hey, I got released in uh, 99 when I was at the Lions. Eventually went back, but I was, my, my tight ends coach, Danny uh, Smith, who's now the special teams coach in Pittsburgh, been there for years, he cried when he had to let me go because he was like, you should be here. The only thing that happened, the two, there were two tight ends on the roster that were in, that were hurt during training camp, and the head coach, um, oh, I always forget his name, uh, but he, he didn't believe players should lose their position because Wayne of Fonts, injuries. Was it? It, it wasn't Fonts, it was, um, oh, was, did he play, I, did he, he coached for uh, San Diego too? No, no, no. no, no um, okay, I got yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. But he, um, so, I mean, I was one of those guys that they can't, I was literally the 54th guy because the other two miraculously got healthy in the last week of training, of training camp, ticked me off, but I understood it is a business, so I'm hoping a lot of these guys um, will, under, you know, like I said, they're out there. They'll have this opportunity to get out there, make the, you know, you know, get out there, do their thing, and not just just remember they're not playing for uh, just for the Cardinals. They're playing for the other 31 teams out there. So you're looking up the coach I had. I should remember. I should know every coach I ever played for. Uh, you said it was 99. 99. Bobby Ross. There you okay, go. There we go. Bobby Coach Ross. Yeah. Great dude. Not, not, you know, great dude, that's all I'll say. Great dude. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, the stuff that you say when you don't say it. So, this, the news came down last week, and this is before we head out of here. I want to get your thoughts on this. Andrew Luck surprised the sporting world and retired. So, he steps away. He's uh, He'll be 30 coming up here soon. So, he's so it's a career that ha- has had his shares of ups and downs. He's, he's one of those guys that would hang in the pocket and for that extra half a second to a second and take that big hit. He's the guy that you hear mic'd up that the defensive player comes through and tackles him hard and he says, good hit, good guy, good hit, big guy. He's that guy that seemed to really be, uh, love the game, love playing the game, but uh, it seems that injuries have taken his his love and the, the rehab type of thing. He had one time where his, what, his kidney, he had a lacerated, lacerated kidney, yeah. uh, uh, ribs, uh, we know about his, his shoulder, we know about his high ankle sometimes, whatever, but so mm-hmm. many injuries, and there's been a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of of response on both sides to to the to his retiring. Now it seems that while the news came down on Saturday, pardon me, while the news came down on Saturday, that this was actually has been in the works for about a week or so, uh, about a week where the the buyout was arranged. He gets all his money, all his all money. his money. <laughs> All his money, twenty four large. Lord, so so I want your thoughts on. He mentioned that he just didn't want to have to go through that that rehab, and, and I think it's a mental thing as well because you don't know if you're gonna if the next hit if you're gonna be hurt again and have to fight through this. Your thoughts on that? Where do you stand? Do you think 
Where, where do you stand on this? Well, for the fans out there, this should illustrate uh, what an NFL football player goes through yeah. uh, in their career. And, you know, at 29 years old, Andrew Luck, he's, I mean, and if you asked him if there's anything he would do different, I guarantee he would say in those first few years, instead of taking those hits, instead of trying to be so strong in the pocket and, you know, risking my health. Because they and, had some porous offensive lines. Oh, yeah. Lines. And the injuries he had, you think about, okay, it wasn't like he had. Uh, you know, broken this. Or, he was getting lacerated innards, man. Lacerated innards, which when you start puncturing lungs and kidneys and stuff like that, that's internal. That's not yeah. a torn ligament in your knee or anything like that. And I've listened to his press conference a few times already today because they've been playing it on ESPN. You can look and see the pain in his eyes, not necessarily because of the pain his body's going through, but mentally what this game has taken from him the joy of life and the joy of the game that he would probably give his left arm for. He just can't do it anymore, knowing what is probably down the line and and also what he would have to endure just to get back on the field now and then endure during a season, a punishing season on the field. So, and then, you know, and then real quick, and then we know this is a Cardinals podcast, but I think it can it's, it can be relatable to players that say on oh, the Cardinals that may end up calling it quits or whatever yeah. the case may be. But here's the thing: I've heard a lot of people say, "Well, my my people in my family they work in coal mines, and they're teachers, and they're this, and they they work, you know, I all these jobs that are hard labor. Yeah. And they they didn't quit, so why should you quit?" Man, I'm telling you, until you've woke up on a Monday after a few games, a few weeks in the NFL and endured that pain, and then here's the crazy part. Have to go out the following week and do it again. People get in car accidents and different things all the time. What do you do? You get in a car accident, you go take care of what needs to be taken care of. Then you call in to work and tell them, hey, I I, got to take leave. I'll be back and, you know, such and such. My doctor gave me clearance until in the NFL, you get hit, you get hurt. And it's, hey, man, you got a couple days to get ready because you got to go back to work. And you got to go out there and endure this again. You got to get in the car and drive and take that hit again, right? So I applaud him for, at this stage in his career, and I think I've told you this before, The one of the last places you ever want to be in your life is on a field, a football field, if you don't have the mind and the heart to be there. And I'll say this last thing. Those fans in Cleveland, in, uh, uh, Indianapolis, yeah, who blew him off the field that's yesterday, indeed. they should be ashamed of themselves for one for what that man has tried to give to them through his mind and body and sacrificed, sure. uh, and and then to boo him as he's walking off the field yesterday. And there's not everybody. There's a lot of people that were probably cheering him, but for those fans that booed him, they know who they are. I would have a hard time. And I, there was even a dude in the stands taking his jersey off. Like cursing, curse him or whatever. And I'm thinking, you know what? You have no idea what it took for that man to either even come to that conclusion I've loved to do my entire life. I just can't do it. And it's best for me to get away from me and my family at this state, at this point in time. So, like I said, I, I applaud him for making a decision. It, you know how hard it had to be. It's a little easier though when you get to walk away with 24, $24 Talk about it. And who knows, this <laughs> might be one of those one year, two year, get my mind right, get my body right, and come back things. But still, yeah, it's a, this is why athletes, this is what I think, and so you correct me if I'm wrong, because I can think of it from the music point of view. This is why athletes worry about themselves because they know that as soon as either the owner feels that they're used up or the fans feel that they're not as effective as they once were, bringing them as many points as they used to in their fantasy football league, that 
that, that they that they bounce, that they have to look out for themselves and get the most money possible because you see how quickly they turn. That's all I'm going to say on that. Discardable commodities. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and so on that note, we are going to leave you. We'll be back. Uh, we'll be back later on in the week because we'll give you, since this is, uh, we'll give you two probably this week. So on behalf of the one and only Ed Easy Smith, I am Javon J. Love Adams, and you have been listening to Believe in the Arizona Cardinals. We'll catch y'all next time. And as Ed likes to say, be easy out there. Are you good? For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.